Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Way That I See It. My name is Lucy Superfox, and this is my podcast. So in this week's episode, I want to talk a little bit about what I know so far. This is going to be the kind of the theme for the next few weeks, really just sharing with you some of my thoughts, my learnings, my lessons, my experiences as we approach the back end of 2023 at the time of recording. And the first one I wanted to talk about was um, was love. And I, at the time of recording this, I'm five days away from my wedding to my second husband for transparency. Um, and I really wanted to share with you what I've learned, what I know for sure, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what I have, how I have grown, how I've seen things transform in our relationship because of things that I've done for myself and how working on myself has transformed my relationship, sir, and not just my romantic one. I'm also going to talk about familial love. I'm not just talking about romantic love here, but I wanted to share this with you because I think that a lot of people look at other people's lives and assume that, you know, that's just how it is, or it's all right for them, or, you know, that's because they look a certain way, or that's because they have a certain thing, or they're lucky. And I know firsthand that that none of those things apply. Like the reason that my relationships are the best they've ever been with the people who are close to me in my life is because my relationship with myself is the best it's ever been. And I think what most people fail to realize, and I wish more people could understand this, is that your relationship with yourself will always be reflected back to you in your relationships with other people. So first things first, I think maybe let's talk a little bit about my romantic relationship and kind of where I where we tend to thrive and where this has been a different experience for me than other relationships I've been in in the past. And if you're inside one of my courses, there's like a, I have like a bonus page that's available to every single course and program that I offer. And in there, I talk about kind of the details of all my previous relationships, obviously not the person, I always respect their privacy and who they are, but I talk about the dynamics of those relationships and how my relationship with myself was reflected back at me in those relationships. So if you want to dig a little deeper, you know, jump into one of the programs and you'll get access to that bonus for free. But the thing that's really been different in this relationship is that this relationship that I'm currently in with my soon-to-be husband, that sounds so weird, is, how do I explain this? Is it started on rocky ground. So we didn't start out in an ideal scenario. In fact, we started out in the opposite of an ideal scenario, where when we got together, we really shouldn't have been getting together. That's all I'll say. And, but we recognize that we had incredibly strong feelings for each other that were undeniable. Now, could you could you say that those feelings were chemistry-led? Could you say those feelings were lust-driven? 100% at the time. How do we know? But the way we felt about each other was very visceral. It was like you could touch it, you could see it, you could smell it. People that were around us were like, what the fuck is going on there, right? Even though that nothing publicly was going on because it was it was visceral. And so... I do think that chemistry plays an important role in any romantic relationship, subject to what it is that you value in a relationship. I value chemistry. One of my um, love languages, if you've never done the love language test, just Google it, love language. I'll put the link below. Um, but learn the love language test, like one of mine is um, physical touch. So for me, if I didn't have a chemistry-led relationship, then it wouldn't feel like love, right? And actually, I'd really strongly advise you to go do that, actually. Go do the love languages test. I do it with a lot of my one-to-one clients because it's important to know that often sometimes how we like to be loved versus how we like to love can actually be different and how we, you know, everything down to how I recognize my team and my network marketing business down to how I 
you know, approach things or want to gift someone is I think I try to understand their love language or see what really touches their soul. And then I try to remember that or log it somewhere because when you work out what someone really values and values is an overthrown banded around word and people think it means the thing that's most important to me. And what's most important to you is usually your need, not your value. And so like in the six week shift, for example, with my clients, we do the values exercise at the beginning and then we do it again at the end. And the reason for that is some, some of the things will remain the same, but some things will change because what you're valuing at the beginning is where you feel like you're struggling, where you feel like you're stuck, where you feel like you need, there's something missing. So you believe that you value it, but a deep value is the thing that you want more than money. And the thing that actually, if it all came down to it, if all hell broke loose, if all shit happened, that you actually would, that would be the core of your values. And mine has always been the freedom to choose. So no matter what is going on in my life, no matter what the scenario is, I will never compromise the freedom to choose. And when I feel like that value is being compromised, then I will act out. I will say things. I will be, I will be a person that most people don't recognize because that's the thing that I care about more than all the other things. Right. And that's how, you know, it's a deep value because you'll sacrifice a lot to, to allow that value to still be um, brought forward. And what most people do is mix up values and needs. And so understanding your love language is a really great way to understand what you value in a relationship. And that could be romantic or familial. So first of all, love language. So yeah, chemistry it was a very high chemistry early start to our relationship. And that had downsides and good sides, right? Because the, the good side is, well, hey, <laughs> right? The downside is then for me as somebody who was really working on my self-worth issues is really working on, you know, feeling safe to be loved, feeling safe to be seen, feeling safe to be, and and feeling safe in a, in a romantic relationship where I'd always been in romantic relationships prior to my first husband. They were always turbulent. They were always up and down on both sides, right? So then when I met my first husband and our relationship was really stable, I definitely tried to sabotage it at times because I was like, oh, it's too stable. It's too safe. Where's the drama? Where's the chaos? Where's the, because it wasn't safe. It didn't, it did, my nervous system didn't understand it. So I, you know, my second, my relationship with my first husband was, you know, and I talked about this, you know, in my podcast about divorce. So if you, if you're currently going through a breakup, or you're going for a divorce, definitely flip back and listen to those. Um, but that relationship was very stable and very solid. And so then I went back into this kind of chaos scenario that actually felt more familiar to my nervous system in this kind of high chemistry state. And, and what I've had to work on since then is feeling safe in my worth to know that whether the relationship worked out or didn't, it didn't mean anything about me. And I think what happens a lot of the time is when people are in relationships, especially when they're new, is we put quite a lot of pressure on it to work out or we put a lot of pressure on it to go somewhere because not necessarily because it's what we deeply truly desire and even if it is if it's not what the other person deeply truly desires why do we want it anyway right but actually because of the fact that we believe it will mean something about us if it doesn't work out and I had a lot of work to do on that I had a lot of work to do to feel safe to be loved and my you know my partner now you know is very loving we have very similar love languages um we and one of the things that he's always done is really held space for me to grow and learn to love myself. And we hear about love, self-love and we, you know, we think it's bubble baths and fluffy shit. And we think it's, you know, not taking shit from people. And, you know, those things are included for sure. But really what self-love has been for me is being actually willing to look at the parts of myself I don't like, the parts of myself where I struggle, the parts of myself where I sabotage, the parts of myself. And I don't truly believe in self-sabotage. I believe my nervous system is doing what it understands and knows to be true. But I, like he held space for me to do that. So the journey of our relationship has been very much that we have both been stepping into feeling safe to be seen, feeling safe to be loved, feeling safe to be fully ourselves and step into our authenticity because 
equally, you know, and I will never speak for someone else. I know that prior to, to me, he didn't feel like he could be his fullest authentic self in the dynamics and relationships that he found himself in. And so we both over the last five years of being together have really grown into who we want to be and not from a place of outward success or outward achievement, although of course that's been part of the journey, but actually because we've been willing to do the inner work to look at the parts of ourselves we don't like, that that allows us to be more vulnerable with each other, that allows us to really see the other person. And if I'm being totally honest, it's the first relationship where other than, you know, when I've been off my head on drugs with someone, being honest guys, I'm always honest. This is the first time I've really seen someone and allowed someone to really see me and my vulnerability in a sober, completely straight, normal way and to react as a human being and that person not trying to fix my problems or shut me down or make it mean anything about them. And that is truly because we have both done our inner work to be our most authentic selves. So the first thing I know about love is that the love that you give yourself and the work you are willing to do on yourself will be directly reflected back at you in the relationships in your life. Because in addition to my romantic relationship, I've also seen the relationship with my parents and with my siblings and with how I hold space for friendships completely change in the last five years. And especially in the last two years where actually that's where the biggest depth of my work was. You know, I think I did a lot of the kind of the obvious work between 2019 and 2021. Like I've got divorced, let's deal with the trauma of that. Like, you know, the outward stuff, like, oh, why did I react this way? And then really when I started to uncover what was happening in my nervous system, I started to uncover what was happening for me energetically. I We identified the ADHD. So I was able to separate the emotional from the chemical. And this is something I work with a lot of my clients on is helping them if that's part of their life, not a neurodiversity coach at all, but helping them give them the tools to work out where is this an emotional response that actually I really need to look at and dig into and process? And where is this a chemical reaction where actually I just need to laugh it off and realize that, you know, I'm a dopamine junkie or actually my hormones just fell off a cliff. Like, and I think understanding those two parts is really important, but you can't do that if you're not doing the inner reflective work. You can't do that if you're not developing yourself. You can't do that if you're not stepping into a newer version of yourself all the time. And I think it is hard in romantic relationships when you're not in with a person or in a family, familial or friendship situation where they foster and encourage and nurture growth. And this is why, I, you know, guys, I've been in, you know, I have, I do multiple things, as you guys know, but one of the best things about a network marketing business for me and the one I speak for, I've only ever been with one, but particularly the one that I'm with is that the community and the conversation is always fostering self-love, self-growth, self-development, self-transformation and not from a place of you know you need to be better or you're going backwards like you know of course that comes up sometimes in all personal development spaces in fact it's one of my pet hates but what I have found is the general energy of the community and the collective has been one that's about raising your vibration transforming the way you see yourself shifting into love shifting into self-respect and those kind of things cannot be underestimated so I think that's the first thing is that you're what you see in your like what you see in yourself will always be reflected back to you so if you don't think you're good enough you don't think you're worthy if you don't feel seen then you won't be seen and you won't be treated good enough and you won't be treated worthy because you will create situations and dynamics that will make it really fucking hard to love you that's the truth and even when they do love you what may end up happening is if you're this like me super high achieving super competent super capable person what will probably happen is you just fucking do everything for them then at some point you'll resent them for it but then they need you to do it because you've created a crutch and what you have then is a dynamic in a relationship that's not about two people choosing to love each other or in a familial situation where you're being generous and kind and you know bonding over something you're actually in a situation where you've cre- you created that dynamic for yourself 
And I had to put my hands up at the end of my first marriage and go, I created this. I created all the things that I don't like about this. And this is why I took full responsibility for the end of that marriage, because as much as there are always two people in a marriage, I was able to look at that and go, I take full responsibility for the dynamic that was created. And that person stepped into that dynamic because they believed it was what I wanted and it was fine for them to do. And this is where it's really important that two people know what they value and what's most important. Because the thing that I always love to tell people is that my current partner and I don't argue. And it's not that we don't debate. It's not that we don't disagree. There are things we radically aggressively disagree on. Like, Things we disagree on, like, you know, I'll give you a funny example. He's bought some Crocs. I'm not all right with it. I'm going to be honest. I absolutely hate them. I think they're the worst things ever. I think they're fine in like a working environment, doctors, scrubs, whatever. I'm like, you're not wearing those anywhere, like nowhere, right? And that's a funny example. But there's lots of serious things about like, you know, human rights issues where we see things differently. There are some situations with kind of law and policing and stuff that we completely disagree on, like, but we have a healthy debate because we're sure of ourselves as people. Therefore, we don't need the other person to agree with us for us to feel safe, seen, loved and supported in that situation. And that's the challenge when you're not doing your inner work is that every experience you have with an outside person, friend, familiar, romantic relationship, you will always see that as a negative reflection on you if you don't, aren't that fully self-empowered, fully self-authentic, fully self-assured person. And that is really where I've been doing the work over the last five years. And what I set out to do with my clients is to give them, oh, Phil emotion. is what I set out to do with my clients is to give them the tools and resources to become that self-confident, self-assured, self-knowing. And look, the, the challenges with personal development, this is what most people misunderstand, is sometimes it has consequences. Not sacrifices, consequence. Sometimes it has consequences like there may be people that fall out of your life. Do I believe you have to leave people behind? Absolutely not. If actually those people are holding you back from the person you want to be and they're negatively impacting your life in a way, do I think it would be healthy to remove, put in some boundaries or re reduce the time you spend with them? For sure, right? And that's where you've got to get really clear about what it is you want, who you are, what you want to truly live, how what authenticity looks like to you, what your values are, what actually matters to you, who do you want to be? And if you're not doing that deep self inner work to be able to then reflect that, that won't reflect back in your reality. It won't reflect back in your relationships with other people. So that would be step number one is the inner work is always the primary thing. Number two, don't play the blame game. So again, before you do your inner work, the likelihood is you will look around you and find reasons for why your life is the way it is because your logical mind needs to understand. It needs to rationalize. It needs to explain, especially if you have neurodiversity. Mine is like, why, why, why? I'm basically a seven-year-old child. And, but what I did was always look at why things were happening. But because I also had, and this is what happens if you do have a lack of self-worth or a lack of feeling good enough is you will blame yourself for things right so rather than take responsibility for things step into that own it move forward transform a lot of people just go oh it's my fault I used to do this all the time I literally went to do it today and was like mm -mm, no one's fault here take responsibility for this moment it's not your fault right and so again in a work but don't take the blame game so number one you don't need to explain every situation that's happened to you but the one thing I can tell you is when you then start to blame either yourself or other people for things, nothing changes in blame. Things only change in responsibility and ownership. And the difference between blame is it feels like shame. It feels negativity. It feels like regret. It feels like fear. It feels like I must do better. It feels like this weak, lack, lack kind of energy, whereas ownership and responsibility feels like fucking gutted or, oh, but okay. And that's the difference. So 
if you are finding yourself blaming your partner, your spouse, and look, guys, I'm not talking about issues where there is a behavior beyond our control. So what I'm not referencing is things like domestic abuse. What I'm not referencing is things like, you know, acute narcissistic behavior, like, and the list is endless, right? What I'm talking about is the small things that grind on us, that get us, that wind us up. Number one, we've created a dynamic somewhere. We've been part of that. Number two, blaming them or blaming you doesn't shift or solve the situation. Taking ownership for your part in the situation or how you've allowed a situation to happen is a healthy step. And then recognizing if you want to stay in that situation, that you're going to have to be able to have a conversation with the other person, whether it's in familial, friendship or romantic about what happens next, because you're not going to be able to have that conversation about what happens next. And if you're in the blame game, because you're just going to make it someone else's fault right? And sometimes it's someone else's responsibility, but they have to be the one that steps into owning that. You can't do that for them. Because when we tell someone it's their responsibility to do this, it's their responsibility to do that. We're actually just creating a shame cycle. And then all we're doing is basically projecting our shame and fear onto that person. And then all that's going to happen is they're just going to project it right back at us. Because when we shame someone else, making them not feel good enough in any kind of like you should do this, you should do that, it's your responsibility. And we say it in that kind of energy, what we're actually doing is pushing on all their buttons about what they don't believe they're good enough at, where they don't feel seen, where they don't feel loved, where they don't feel supported. And we damage the relationship even more. So that's step number two is don't play, step number two. Tip number two, don't play the game. Don't play the blame game. Um, Tip number three would be, I was going to say time, but I don't think it's time, is give energy to the relationships that really matter to you i don't think time is relevant because yeah we've all you know got that thing of like the one friend you meet up with and it's like no time has passed and honestly that's what it is for me like i have lots of people in my life lots of different circles lots of different groups of friends lots of different and like i've never been part of a group or a clique i've never really like fit in although people might have that perception of me i I honestly haven't and it's i think now i'm looking back it makes sense from a neurodiversity perspective i always probably felt different but as I look at the circles of friends that I'm connected to and in, the ones I value most are the ones I give energy to. So as in when I'm with them, I'm fully present. When I'm there, I'm fully in the moment. When I, I, you know, again, okay, there's a time thing here, but I look at my calendar and I'm like, cool, when can I give that person a call? Or when can I actually make time to see that person for coffee? Or, you know, what, what energy am I prepared to give to this dynamic is a great question. And so if I wasn't giving energy to the dynamics relationships in my life, they wouldn't grow, right? That's the same thing if you've got a house plant. If you don't water it and give it sunlight, it doesn't grow. It's the same thing as a relationship. So if you are expecting your romantic or familial or friendship relationship to transform, but you don't give it any energy, giving it time is irrelevant because you can go on a date night, but if you're both absolutely fucked, all you do is talk about what's happening at home that's negative and you're playing the blame game back and forth and you both aren't really clear on your love language and how you want to be loved and supported, the time you might even make it worse <laughs> like that's the truth right so it's an energy game it's about what energy am I giving to this moment and one of the things that can be really hard and I can tell you this from our personal experience we both have online businesses we both work remotely from what we do you know we both have the odd day somewhere but so we are on our phones a lot like a lot of my business is on social media with all you know everything that I do so the challenge is that we can be on our phones a lot and we can be easily distracted and really on our phone and in the moment but what we one of the things that we both are conscious of is that when we do that we're draining our energy in two directions and we're not actually giving our energy to that person so one of the things that I've started doing is 
when you know he's working and I want his attention <laughs> whether it's for a pointless question or whether it's for a deeper meaningful or whether it's to you know have some fun is I will say hey have you got a minute and he'll say actually I'm just doing this but I've got you know let me know in 10 minutes and he'll put his phone down because I don't want to have half-assed conversations unless it's like have you fed the dogs yes or no right I don't want to have surface level conversations with the person I'm spending the rest of my life with I don't want to have surface level conversations with people that I'm investing energy in my friendships in so being present with them is not some like woo-woo concept or something that's like new age like that is actually how a relationship fosters and grows is because two people's connected energy or multiple people well depends what you're into right but people's energy in that moment is is directed at each other and so when it's directed at each other, what we actually do is we create these really powerful energetic bonds. And this is where when you meet a new person, whether it's a friend or a partner or you know, a family member, can shift the energy of a dynamic massively because the focus is then you've created this new energetic dynamic. This is where babies will sometimes change everything, both positively and sometimes negatively, because it's a new person bringing a new energetic dynamic to the relationship. And I can tell you that when my niece was born, it completely shifted my familial dynamic for the better massively for the better because all of our energy shifted away from the blame game shifted away from not understanding each other shifted away from us all dealing with our own shit and actually all just shifted onto her and us being collectively bought into the love for her now that being said I'm not a parent obviously I have three dogs but I don't I'm not a parent and but what I can understand and I can appreciate happens as a parent is you collectively are bought into the energy dynamic of raising your children, of investing in your family, of raising them as perfect human beings, giving them all the love, blah, blah, blah. But if you are doing that at your detriment and the detriment of your relationship, you must remember that kids do not do what you say, they do what you do. And if you understand anything about generational trauma, we will repeat energetic imprints we will repeat behaviors, we'll repeat cycles, repeat patterns of those who have pre, um, what's the one looking for here? Pre, come before us, we'll go with that. I can't remember what the word is, my brain's like, what? We will basically repeat what's happened. So if you are in a situation where you are like trying to parent your kids in this way, but actually you're not taking care of yourself, you're exhausted all the time, you eat crap in the evenings, you bitch and moan with your partner, you know, they never see you got and invest time with each other. You, and look, the practical problems are there. I get it. Like, I'm not here to be a preacher and tell you exactly how a perfect relationship works because there is no such thing. But what I can tell you is that when the energy, energetic dynamic of a romantic relationship is actually reflected outwards, there is nothing reflecting inwards. And that's where a bond can be broken. But it's also what you have to remember is the energetic dynamic coming back the other way is that child is looking to you two for the model of how a relationship works. So it's not a surprise to me that what happened in my life in terms of my first marriage and also the the toxicity of some of my other dynamic relationships was actually a repeat of both of what my parents did. Both my parents were married and my parents married each other the second time. So I actually repeated what they went through in their first marriage in, I mean, literally exactly. I couldn't have, it couldn't have been a more repeat. And that's not because they told me and I thought, well, that's a good idea. Or I put it in my subconscious mind and went, that's what you do. But because I saw a model of, oh, so what happens is sometimes, you know, you marry someone and it doesn't work out. Again, we're not going to get into it, right? I have massive respect for my first husband and it's not my place to talk about our dynamic relationship in depth. But what I want you to understand is this. Kids will do what you do, not what you say. People, not even just kids, people, right? People will watch you. They'll model you. They'll see you. They'll shift in your example. They'll shift by watching you do things over and over, not by what you tell them to do, right? And this is why I stopped coaching for two years. 
I had my courses that were available that were, you know, um, evergreen, all time, you know, great content specific to certain things. I stopped one-to-one coaching. And the reason I stopped one-to-one coaching is I was like, I don't want to tell someone to do something if I'm not willing to do it myself. And it's not because we need to do the same things that we did when we were five years ago, because someone else is five years ago. Like I can tell someone to say, hey, this is where I would start with this, even though I'm not still doing it because I've shifted away and through that. But what I want you to know is this, I will never tell someone or recommend a client take an action step if I am not willing to honestly, authentically get behind it. And I've done it at a part of my journey or be willing to do it again in my journey. And I think that's the thing that must be understood is that people do not do what you say. They do what you do and they model that and it's energetic and people believe into you or they buy, they believe you and buy into you based on your action, not based on your words, as the old cliche saying goes. So that was my first three tips. Um, What else would I say about love? So number one was, um, oh my God, I don't remember what number one was. <laughs> Guys, it was been a long day yesterday. I did like a 12 hour presenting gig yesterday. So I'm like, oh, what would be my final tip? So number one was do your inner work. Number two was don't play the game, blame game. Number three was where are you spending your energy rather than your time? What would my fourth tip be for relationship dynamics based on my experience? I think it would be just really, it would be honesty and not brutal honesty, but you know, no one wants to hear you look fat in that. No one, even if you do, right? But it would be to be truthful, I think is a really lovely word. I think the word truthful, it'd be to be truthful about your desire, truthful about your expectation, truthful about when things aren't working, truthful about where you wanna go, And I think that's why it's really important to do step one, which is do your inner work, because then you're really clear on what you want. You're really clear on what you know. You're really clear on what you value. You've done your love language, you know. And I think when you know all of that, when you're willing to not blame other people and stop projecting and bring it inside, when you're actually getting clear on where you're spending your energy and you're investing that in the places you want to foster and grow, you are then in a position to be truthful because you know what you're being truthful about. And I always say, we always, as it, um, I think it's Louise Hay that said, we always do the best we can with what we know. And when we know more, we do more. And I don't really believe when we know more logically, cognitively, because you probably logically, there's probably nothing I've said that you're like, oh yeah, I didn't know that, right? You probably knew it, but did you feel it? Did you know it in your nervous system? And I think that's the feeling that it's really going from like knowledge to action to being, right? And I think that's why I created the becoming course because that's what it's exactly is about. It's a becoming course, becoming the person you want to be obviously with a whole load of like nervous system regulation, you know, um, health and wellbeing in there really shifting kind of inner narratives and stories. There's a whole piece on kind of healing, regulating the nervous system and somatic work. Then there's a whole section on manifestation and embodiment. So it really is a transformation course. And so one of the reasons I did that was because it's from knowing to doing to being. That's a Joe Dispenza quote, from knowing to doing to being. And it's the same thing in your relationships. Your relationships are an extent relationships are an extension of you and your energy and your beliefs and your stories and your narratives and your values and who you are and what you want and who you want to be and how you want life to go. And so if there is something not working in an outward dynamic, then that is an inside job. And that's why you're here on the way that I see it. So that's all I had to say and all I had to share. I love you so much. This next recording will be, I will be wed. I am going to be doing some more what I know so far. 
um, on different topics over the coming weeks. So make sure to stay tuned if you haven't already subscribed. I would love you to. I've set myself like a little personal goal with subscribers. I'd love for you to rate the podcast on Spotify or an Apple podcast. I always love a good review and a rating. If you've got the time to take a couple of minutes to do that for me, I would love you forever. And as always, if you feel called to check out one of the programs or one of the courses, you can do that at loosesuperfox.com forward slash courses or loosesuperfox.com forward slash coaching. So I hope this episode helped. Any questions, please feel free to reach out via the social medias and I will see you on the next episode.